from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Thursday night, the first uh, day of the Biden impeachment inquiry. And uh, again, if you want to weigh in on any of this, we're going to be taking calls throughout the evening. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, today was the first day. It's a big day. A lot of uh, a lot of interesting commentary coming out of Capitol Hill from the hearing um, into the inquiry of whether or not there should be an impeachment on President Joe Biden. And I want to start off with a couple of clips of audio with um, House Oversight uh, Chairman James Comer, who um, he basically says that. The Biden family literally sold Joe Biden. Listen to this. Now, what were the Bidens selling to make all this money? Joe Biden himself. Joe Biden is the brand. And Joe Biden showed up at least two dozen times with business targets and associates sending signals of access, influence, and power to those prepared to pay for it. The American people demand accountability for this culture of corruption. They demand to know how these schemes have compromised President Biden and threaten our national security. They demand safeguards to be put in place to prevent public officials from selling access to their public office for private gain. That's, of course, uh, Chairman James Comer, House Oversight Committee. And um, this is from the hearing just earlier today. According to the House Oversight Committee chair, the hearing will examine the value of the impeachment inquiry. And it's going to present all the evidence to date that's been uncovered by the committee in its investigation into the Biden family's finances. Uh, They brought in a number of witnesses who uh, we have some audio of that as well. And the witnesses are going to offer their decades of of experience. And one of them was a forensic accountant, financial investigators, uh, all of these uh, very interesting people, former assistant uh, attorney general and uh, so forth. And it's... uh, it's interesting, right? It's, a, it's an interesting process uh, because I think they're, the left within the media is trying to make it look like this is a circus, it's a sideshow, uh, similar to the, what they did to Trump. And I really don't see any similarity here. And I don't think it's a partisan divide or that, you know, I like one guy and not the other. <clears throat> These are real things. Hunter Biden is legitimately uh, being investigated and has been arrested twice or three times by the Department of Justice and is, you know, facing a trial and facing... facing um, uh, sentence. They don't know what it's going to be yet, but that's where he is. Donald Trump was never arrested while he was in office or prior to. So, I mean, th- these, these are apples and oranges uh, comparisons, but I want you to continue listening. Uh, th- this is a little bit longer clip because it has some context in it of Chairman Comer at the uh, opening of the inquiry today, uh, explaining exactly what was uncovered throughout the course of their investigation. Since assuming our Republican majority in January, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee has uncovered a mountain of evidence revealing how Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. 
For years, President Biden has lied to the American people about his knowledge of and participation in his family's corrupt business schemes. At least 10 times, Joe Biden lied to the American people that he never spoke to his family about their business dealings. He lied by telling the American people that there was an absolute wall between his official government duties and his personal life. Let's be clear. There was no wall. The door was wide open to those who purchased what a business associate described as the Biden brand. Evidence reveals that then-Vice President Joe Biden spoke, dined, and developed relationships with his family's foreign business targets. These business targets include foreign oligarchs who sent millions of dollars to his family. It also includes a Chinese national who wired a quarter of a million dollars to his son. Joe Biden also lied to the American people about his family making money in China. He continued to lie about it even when the House Oversight Committee uncovered bank wires revealing how the Bidens received millions from Chinese companies with significant ties to Chinese intelligence and the Chinese Communist Party. Just this week, we uncovered two additional wires sent to Hunter Biden that originated in Beijing from Chinese nationals. This happened when Joe Biden was running for president of the United States and Joe Biden's home is listed as the beneficiary address. To date, the House Oversight Committee has uncovered how the Bidens and their associates created over 20 shell companies, most of which were created when Joe Biden was vice president, and raked in over $20 million between 2014 and 2019. We've also identified nine Biden family members who have participated in or benefited from these shady business schemes. Now, President Biden's denied any involvement uh, in his son's business dealings. Uh, the White House dismissed the hearing today as an evidence-free probe and a political stunt. But the bottom line is the committee has shown that the Bidens alone have brought in over $15 million in their foreign-influencing uh, operations, $24 million if you account for their uh, associates' earnings as part of these operations. And this is according to um, Comer, as it's reported in Fox. And... I think this is very interesting. Again, you know, with Trump, they were saying, he's a Russian agent. Rudy Giuliani, he's a Russian agent, right? But th there was never a paper trail. There was never 20 shell companies. There was never Giuliani or Trump using uh, the name Robin Ware or the other four or five aliases that they've now discovered as four or 5,000 emails from uh, official correspondence that President Biden was, was corresponding under a fake name while he was vice president. So... <clears throat> To me, I don't see it. I see a lot of people out there today uh, trying to dismiss what's going on as some sort of attack, trying to say that, no, this is nothing more than than, you know, uh, the Republicans uh, making something up. And it, this is ultimately the president just loving his son. That's really all it is. I think it goes beyond that. Right. Um, we've got uh, Representative James Jasmine, excuse me, Jasmine Crockett. And uh, she's at the impeachment inquiry today. And she says that Joe Biden is simply just guilty of loving his son, Hunter. Check this out. 
But I will tell you what the president has been guilty of. He has unfortunately been guilty of loving his child unconditionally, and that is the only evidence that they have brought forward. And honestly, I hope and pray that my parents love me half as much as he loves his child. Until they find some evidence, we need to get back to the people's work, which means keeping this government open so that people don't go hungry in the streets of the United States. And I will yield. Okay, Representative Crockett, uh, people are going hungry in the streets because Joe and Hunter Biden are being investigated for making a bunch of money uh, through the back door. Okay, <laughs> if that's how it works for you, come from. I, I don't see the, the, the point of the rhetoric. I mean, I understand why they're doing it, but it, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. Anyway, we're going to continue our conversation on the impeachment inquiry. We're also going to reflect on last night's debate. There was still a bunch of things I did not get to cover yesterday. And uh, much, much more to come. We've got issues with crime all over the place. Uh, there was this big riot in Philly that I mentioned yesterday, a big mob in Los Angeles. They're all over the place. You've got groups of 100 teenagers just ransacking everything. I want to get into that as well. So don't move a muscle, folks. We continue the conversation straight ahead. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Now, in addition to the ruckus that was going on in Washington, D.C. with the impeachment inquiry, there was ruckus going on in Philadelphia on Tuesday night. And uh, we uh, I mentioned it briefly yesterday. I didn't really get to get into it because I really wanted to take it apart with somebody who understands what it's what urban policing is like. But there were groups of teenagers swarmed into stores in Philadelphia in Center City stuffing plastic bags with merchandise, fleeing, although police made several uh, arrests. It, it was mayhem. I saw the videos when I was scrolling through Instagram. And by the way, give me a follow, at Rich Valdez with an S. And these videos were, were amazing. It was a girl, or at least what I would identify as a girl, that was taking the video, and she was laughing because the cops were fighting with these guys, trying to get them um, in handcuffs. They had them on the ground, and the guys were squirming around, and, and the cops were punching them in the face. And they were fighting back and it was it was a melee. There was cops everywhere. There were hundreds of people and the girls were laughing. They thought this was so humorous. They thought it was the funniest thing ever. And they hit an Apple store on 8 p.m. on Tuesday. They, they chased the teenagers. Uh, you've probably seen this on the news. Just crazy. They were taking uh, iPhones, piles of iPads. Uh, more than 100 people who appeared to be teenagers stole from uh, Lululemon store. That's very expensive athletic wear, by the way. I don't have any, but I should probably get some. It looks pretty cool. And uh, just a, t uh, a ton of things going on. Uh, there were video videos posted all over social media. People were all wearing hoodies and masks. You couldn't see their faces. And j just grabbing everything that they could take and running out the store. And cops were running around, you know, just trying to catch. It was just absolute bedlam. And it was uh, a real flash mob style ransacking of just one business after another. And uh, a security guard was assaulted at, at the footlocker that they entered. This was 
This is the definition of organized crime. And I want to get to the bottom of it. I want to get some reaction from a former chief of police in uh, the city of Detroit, James Craig. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks, Rich. Glad to be back here with you. Um, glad um, I'm here to talk about this madness that's going on today. It's just unbelievable. Uh, but let me start out by applauding yeah. the great work by the uh, Philadelphia Police Department. I think out of 80 to 100 suspects, they arrested 50. Uh, but you know what the real problem is, Rich? What's that? What's Jim? that prosecutor? What's the prosecutor going to do? They got oh, one of the more Larry Krasner is one of the most woke prosecutors in a bunch. And so hopefully uh, he's going to do what's right. Uh, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, because this is the kind of madness that's going to continue. We saw what happened out in uh, California not too long ago. And, and you know, it's real sad. You know, police officers are doing their job. They're understaffed. Still don't really feel supported in many places. Mm -hmm. uh, you got woke prosecutors. But here's a little added bonus. You got some of these uh, corporations that are contributing to the problem. I know you talked about oh, yeah. Lululemon. And you said, hey, I'm going to go get some Lululemon. Let me tell you, you wouldn't catch me in a Lululemon right now. You know why? Uh, what do, what do you know that I don't know? Well, I'm going to share something with you. This happened some months ago. Apparently, uh, a flash mob type situation happened at a Lululemon. I forget the city. And a couple of the employees engaged the suspects. Uh, and I guess it's against policy oh. that if, if, there's, if someone comes in looting, just let them do it. And so because they tried to stop it, uh, I, I don't know if one or both lost their job. And that's shameful. I remember that story. That is, that's horrible. It, yeah. it happened at a and Home Depot was, or a Lowe's that, as well. Yeah, at Lowe's. But, but I remember the Lululemon one. I said, well, I'll never go there again. The management can't support uh, their employees. They put their own safety on the line. Uh, and, and I get it. It's just for the whole notion of, well, we don't want our employees to put themselves in unnecessary risk sure. or are more concerned about being sued. So this whole business, it has to be a collaborative effort. Everybody's going to be on the same sheet. The police are going to do their job, but the police have to be supported by the prosecutors. And if the prosecutors are not going to charge, then what's the message? The message is clear. You know, Chief, uh, no that's an excellent point. Right. It, it, there's no consequences. And in, in addition to that, uh, it, it seems to me that the these policies have become way more relaxed. Uh, it almost seems um, when these stores take a loss like this, um, they get to put it on their balance sheet. And most of the time they're insured if they're going to file a claim. And, and I think it, the word has gotten out. It's, it's almost like they're like, all right, look, if you're going to rob us, rob us. What are we going to do? We're just going to close another bunch of stores. Uh, it seems like corporations aren't taking their job seriously. The prosecutors well, but, aren't you taking know, their job seriously. They're not taking their job. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you an added bonus. Some of these mayors, these woke mayors, these politicians who do nothing, say nothing, and pretty much accept it as, well, it's just the way things are. 
Well, what they don't realize, this is the economic situation. So Nordstrom's, after many years, pulled out of San Francisco. That's not acceptable. And so you, you take this attitude, well, okay, it happened. And then the CVSs they're pulling out. Yeah. Uh, Target just so, closed nine stores, including Harlem. Same, same reason. Shoplifting. Exactly. And, and, and so the, the issue, it comes down to one basic thing. It hurts people, particularly people who live in vulnerable communities who need these stores uh, to get the various sundries that they might need. So they close them down. It, it certainly hurts the, the tax base to, in the city. Uh, who Everybody that worked in those stores has to find a new job. They got to find new jobs. And then when you talk about tourism, I wouldn't go to San Francisco. San Francisco is Me one either. of the places you want to go visit. I'm not going there. Look, I'm in Detroit. I'd rather stay in Detroit and vacation than go to Chicago right now. And I used to like to go to Chicago. Chicago, you got Miracle Mile. You got some some of the best shopping. Uh, and the last time I went to Chicago, I don't know what it's like now because it's been many months. But bo- many of the high-end stores boarded up and off-duty police officers uh, working in the, the various stores. Is that what you want to deal with? Uh, and, and so they're destroying these iconic cities. Yep, the economy, and the weak, community. Weak, it's horrible. And the weak leadership, the mayors, are just sitting back and, and you know, some of the police chiefs who go along just so they can keep the job, you know, and, and I'm drawing back on, because a lot of this all started in 2020. Yeah. And I oftentimes like to make the, the statement that when you look at all the cities that burned in 2020, Detroit was one of the rare few major cities that did not burn for a reason. Good job. And you, you and you don't hear about uh, the mass looting going on in Detroit even now because the tone was set. Now, I'm hoping that things don't dramatically change and Detroit becomes like some of these other places. But yeah. as it stands right now, uh, it's not happening in Detroit. The tone was set. Detroit has stood alongside with the police as our partners and said, we're not going to tolerate this. Folks, we're on with uh, James Craig, former Detroit police chief and we're going to talk about why is there so much crime? Okay, prosecutors aren't doing their jobs, but why are people out of control? We're going to get into that next with the chief. Stick with us. 833-482-5337 if you want to weigh in. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't move a muscle. We're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen.
Rhythms Across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we're on with James Craig, former Detroit, uh, Detroit, excuse me, Detroit City Police Chief. And I want to go to the phones. We've got a couple of calls here. Let's go to Mark in Akron, Ohio, W-N-I-R. Mark, you're on with Rich Valdez and our guest, James Craig, former Detroit Chief of Police. All right, Rich, my friend. Um, In my opinion, the stores need to get more security. These people, even in my state, Rich, are they take backpacks in the in the little or not little, but clothing stores, and they put their stuff in because the alarms can't. I, I guess they can't see through or go through detect the backpack with clothes in it with the labels on them. They don't trigger those door alarms, and you know they a lot of them are drug addicts and they sell that stuff for drugs, their clothes, and to the drug dealers. Mm-hmm. But this organized stuff like they they did in San Francisco is unbelievable to me. But it doesn't surprise me, Rich. Um, they are it's it's you're endangering innocent people, customers that might be in there and traumatizing them. Okay, that's traumatizing to see a hundred or gangs of people just coming in and grabbing stuff, you know, and running. Right? Sure. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you for so, your point. I and, appreciate uh, that. You were, you're out of, hey, Mark, you're out of Akron, and uh, you know I was the chief of police out in Cincinnati, not not too far away. You know, I, I got to tell you, one of the sad realities is some of these places will hire security guards and uh, basically immobilize them. They're just there. They're, they're there to do nothing but to act as deterrent. Uh, and if they engage them, like I was given the example of Lululemon, when the employees tried to take action, look, that's their job. Uh, they don't want that done. They kind of tolerate, they're tolerant of it. And so there's got to be a unified effort with uh, local political leaders, certainly the police department, the prosecutors, but also the business owners. Everybody's got to be at the table. And this cannot be acceptable. That's the only way we're going to solve this thing. But most importantly, these young people that are engaged in this organized activity need to know one thing and one thing certain consequences. If there are no consequences, you, you saw the, the Philadelphia video and the, the organizer, she's in the background laughing. I'm so yeah. happy they arrested her. I just hope they charge her. Me too. You know, chief, I'm looking at this and I, I was, this is, you read my mind. Uh, the, the one you're talking about is uh, Dejia Blackwell. And uh, she's now on social media saying she needs a welcome home gift because she wants to treat herself and she's raising money so that she can hire a lawyer and telling people to send her money to uh, to her cash app. And I look at this and I think, how how did young people get this brazen? Like, why is it somehow societally acceptable to just go and steal and, and do things like this? Well, you know, I've been in the business 44 years. Oh, I know. And I can tell you, I started in 77 in Detroit and Los Angeles in 1981. And I will tell you, uh, that was not acceptable. Uh, They understood. When the LAPD showed up, 
they knew it was about the business. Uh, mm-hmm. well, Detroit police officers, same thing. And so, but then a lot of it has to do with, with parenting. Uh, what are the parents doing? And I recognize there are a lot of other, there are a lot of other factors. I mean, you look at our educational systems today, mm-hmm. uh, K through 12, and most of uh, urban areas across the country, they're horrible. They're failing. They're, they're quick to want to, you know, indoctrinate these kids about gender, changing their gender, or, or, or being victims, but they don't want to teach them basic academia like reading and math. They don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So, of course, imagine a child who can't read by the time they're in the third grade, some kind of way they make it in the high school, they still can't read, they drop out. And, and we know what the statistics say. Uh, when you drop out, there's a, a greater probability that you're going to be incarcerated. And so those are factors as well. And, and so our our education is, is messed up. And then you get uh, these weak politicians that want to throw money at it. Oh, let's give them uh, bag lunches every day, which I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but how about we put priority on educating these young people? And, and would that make a difference? Absolutely, it would make a difference. Folks are on with Chief James Craig, former Detroit ch- Chief of Police. He's been yeah. in the game for you a know, long time. You know, I got to tell you something, Rich. You, you yes, have a, you're having some bad luck on me right now. You know, I'm a Lions <laughs> fan, and the Lions are playing Green Bay right now. Uh-oh. And we were up substantially before you called. And now Green Bay has, has scored like two or three touchdowns. And I, I, I'm don't blame me. I'm blaming Philly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, there was two nights of looting, right? It happened on Tuesday night. It happened again last night. Two nights of back-to-back looting, and, and it, it's happening in California. It's happening all over the place. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation straight ahead with Chief James Craig, former Detroit police chief, and uh, your calls as well. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So we've got 52 people that have been arrested after looting in Philadelphia two nights in a row. Crazy stuff. 52 people. They broke into liquor stores. They broke into clothing stores. They broke into everything they could. Windows are shattered. Those rolling steel doors, those metal gates bashed in. It's absolutely, it looks like a war zone. Uh, We're on with former Detroit Chief of Police, James Craig. And I want to quickly go to Steve in Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA. Steve, 
You're on with Chief Craig and me. Go right ahead. Uh, good, good evening, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, yes, so sir. I live in Atlanta, and um, here they announced it was it was about a year ago. They announced that they found out in the city of Atlanta that a thousand people are responsible. Just one thousand people are responsible for fifty percent, half of all the crime. Uh, we're talking carjackings, everything you can think of, the entire gamut. And then here recently, about mm-hmm. two weeks ago, I learned on a, it's one of, in one of those places where they have that nine hundred or one thousand dollar threshold, where it's a, considered a misdemeanor. Oh yeah, like George Soros. So, so I think it was San Francisco. Um, they they have those George Soros backed prosecutors, right? Yeah. Um, like DeSantis got rid of one of them, right? He got rid of one of them in his state who wasn't actually doing his job. I wish I wish you know other governors would would uh, do that. But anyway, this place I, I I think it was L.A. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was this this place what we're talking about now. But right. they announced no, it was about two weeks ago, so that couldn't have been the case. Um, they announced that 400 people were responsible for all of the burglaries, you know, these, these uh, ransacking of the uh, retail establishments. Just 400 people. And, and, and then the, the, the person who was talking about it said something like that it makes sense to me. It's their job. Yeah, uh, you're right. It's, it's their job. And you know what we, we really need to, Rich, I think I want to call him something more than what I said earlier. Sure. Uh, especially when you look at what happened in uh, Philadelphia. These are domestic terrorists. <laughs> I mean, wow. not only are they uh, engaging in retail theft, uh, but they're destroying businesses. Uh, this is serious, and it needs to be treated as such. And we have to make a statement. But again... Uh, you got to have folks in those positions, those leadership positions that have the wherewithal to say, you know what, we're not putting up with this. I grew up in this, but it, this never happened. This would have never happened. And, you know, when I decided to retire from law enforcement, uh, I didn't retire because I wanted to. I mean, I wanted <laughs> to go to the next level and certainly continue to be a public servant uh, as a governor. And, now I'm on the brink, and I'm not announcing it on your show, but I'm very close uh, to making an announcement nice. for a run for U.S. Uh, U.S. Senate because I'm sick and tired. I'm not one of these people that can sit on the sidelines and complain. People count on people who are elected to leadership positions to take action to solve problems. And sadly, these people do it for other reasons, be it ego and it's just mind-boggling. Give you give you an example. AOC out of New York. All out she crazy. Makes a comment. She makes a comment about what they got to eat. Well, last time <laughs> I looked, are, are we eating iPhones and iPads? I mean, what are you talking about? They got to eat. So it's okay to steal unless what she was trying to say is they could turn it around and sell it on the uh, open market. So they could, uh, they're not doing it for food. Right. You can steal and the food so, too. <laughs> uh, well, they do that too. Yeah. And so just a mess. And I mean, even the way the migrant situation is being handled out of New York, oh, you know, geez. you want to call yourself a sanctuary city. And now all of a sudden the mayor is whining, a former cop, 
He's whining, oh, woe is us. Will someone help us? And he's dealing with a fraction of the problem that they're dealing with out in Texas. And so he's whining. He needs help. And, and then he wants to now consider putting them in parks, putting them in hotels. I mean, who are these folks? And, right. and then who do they represent? And, you know, having been in law enforcement as long as I was, I talked to the people that I served. They didn't want and, di- and were not accepting of, of violence and just, uh, just look the other way. They wanted the police to do their jobs, do it ethically, do it constitutionally, but it wanted you to do your job. And what I see happening today, uh, something's got to change. And all I can say to your listeners, uh, we got an election coming up. Uh, and we need to vote people in who believe in law and order, and we can turn this thing around. Because what's going on right now is unacceptable. When you got a president that will look into a camera and, and, and say the borders are secure, or, mm-hmm. or others, are, the borders are secure, but yet you got the cartels coming in who are enemy combatants to our, our country. They should be treated like terrorists. That's right. I said it. The Mexican cartels are terrorists and need to be treated as such. Uh, 200 plus people are dying a day from fentanyl. And I don't even want to use the word overdose. We're talking about poisoning. Mm -hmm. And and there's a reason for it. Uh, This is China creates the precursor and these cartels, a.k.a. terrorists, Bring it into our country. And what, 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 what is the administration doing? What kind of conversation are we having with Mexico? Uh, I mean, we just say, oh, well, it's not important. That's the, the real problem is an absence of leadership. It's the absence of leadership. Or the you corruption have of to it. Set the tone. Exactly. You have to set the tone. Well said, Chief. Folks, that's Chief James Craig, former Detroit police chief, who says he's not making a formal announcement today, but strongly considering a run for the U.S. Senate uh, in Michigan. And uh, I wish you luck with that, Chief. When you're ready to make the announcement, we'd love to have you back on. Let everybody know how they could follow you and keep in touch with uh, everything that you're doing. Well, the at chiefjamescraig.com that's my uh, ex or former Twitter <laughs> right. you can go there we'll be making announcements on there you know I, I have the good opportunity and fortunate to do a lot of national news and talk about many of these issues uh, but as soon as uh, we're ready to launch uh, it'll be out there and um, I'm looking for the support because we need strong leadership people that can make decisions uh, and this has got to stop because we are weak, not only on the national stage, but the world stage, mm-hmm. China, Russia, Iran, they're laughing at us. They're laughing at us. Try looting and in Iran, so, right? Exactly. Thank you, chief. I exactly. appreciate it. Godspeed to you. Good luck with everything. Hope to have you back really soon. I look forward to it, Rich. You have a great one. You too. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Chief James Craig, a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. And we're going to get back to your calls momentarily. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Valdez. All right, America, welcome back to the phones. We go to your calls. Let's go to Kalispell, Montana, K-O-F-I, and check in with Kim. Kim, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. I'm sorry I missed the segment or all of it. I was uh, trying to listen to uh, the debate debacle. Sure. What's on your mind? My mind is, did the... Officer, uh, the chief, offer any kind of insight on why this is happening? Why are these people doing this? Yeah, uh, what, what he alluded to, what, what I got from it, was that when people start to realize that they can do whatever they want because there's a lack of consequences, then they're going to push the limits. And when you have prosecutors that are what I like to call pro-crime progressive prosecutors that are coddling criminals, they, um, they take advantage of the situation. They know that they could go shopping for free. When you have uh, mayors and councils that are making local ordinances that say that it's no longer a felony unless it's over $1,000 instead of 500 people know I can steal up to $1,000 worth of stuff and nobody's going to do anything. And when they know that these corporations are going to have security guards that won't react or employees that are told to stand down and not try to stop a shoplifter or a looter, then it's a recipe for disaster down, though, to those people's moral compass, which is really off-whacked. Oh, grossly lacking in the morality department, for sure. I agree with that. And I think we also have, with the videos that I saw from Pennsylvania, the Philly stuff, there was, I don't know, 15 or 20 cops that were arriving at the scene, and no lie, 100 or 120 people running in and out of stores with their hands full of as much as they could grab, with enough people waiting around to videotape all of this because they have no shame. And you, you, the cops would grab every single person that was at arm's reach and drag them down to the ground to try to handcuff them. Some of them got up and ran away. Others they got. Uh, apparently out of the 100 or so that they believed participated in this, they caught 52 of them, which is great. And there was probably another 15 or 20 people that were standing by doing nothing, just videotaping it, laughing, egging on the, the looters and laughing at the cops. It, it was a really disgusting display of humanity, in my opinion. And uh, it's it's mind boggling. You know, I mean, none of us are the same age. The chief says he's been on the job for 44 years. I'm I'm only 45 years old. And I can tell you, neither of us has seen anything like this in our lifetime. It's absolutely shocking, Kim. So after the like the watch riot. But you know what, Rich? We weren't raised that way. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, you know, I was during the break, I was telling my producer, I said, you know, I was like, sometimes I feel like a dope. Everybody's out there getting a new iPad. And, you know, here I am for my kid's birthday. Uh, my ex-wife bought her one. I think it was $600. And I was like, we could have went to Philly and got one for free. Then I thought, what would my parents think about that? You know, uh, there was something about honor and respect when I was being raised. And that seems to be lost today on these particular folks. Kim, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We're coming right back. We're going to continue our talks on the debate and more, plus the Biden impeachment inquiry. Don't go anywhere. Susan Crabtree joins us next.
from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you Thursday night. If you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337. We're talking the impeachment inquiry, some debate stuff, other news of the day. And um, let me tell you, look at these headlines here. Uh, Republicans expose damning evidence of Biden corruption during first impeachment inquiry hearing. Then... Congressman Matt Gates says McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, can't remain GOP speaker if he makes a deal with Democrats for temporary funding. This could be a shutdown. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Somebody's got to stick to their guns. Fascinating to see what's coming out of Washington. Uh, then you got some newly revealed texts showing that Hunter Biden has, was whining that all of his money was gone and he was looking for help from his dad. Then you've got a memo coming out of the House of Representatives showing that the Biden family and their associates brought in more than $24 million from foreign business dealings. Now, again, just because you're making money overseas doesn't mean that you're a criminal. Uh, it's when you lie and, and you know, you peddle your influence. That, that'll, you know, <laughs> blur the line a little bit. And I, I want to get into a lot of this stuff. There's so much to discuss. But the, um, the hearing today had several witnesses, and I want to bring in a, a veteran who understands the landscape. Because Susan Crabtree is the White House and national political correspondent for Real Clear Politics. And she knows what's going on because she keeps her finger on the pulse. Susan Crabtree, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me again, Rich. You, you bet. It's my pleasure. And I, I want uh, just to set the stage a little bit. There was a, it was a hearing. So obviously there were witnesses that were giving their testimony um, with um, questioning from the various members of the Oversight Committee. And there's a clip from um, Professor Jonathan Turley that I want you to give a quick listen to, because I think he makes a very interesting point. Listen to this. I want to go to those three things, Professor Turley. False statements, influence peddling scheme, and Joe Biden might have benefit. Let's do the third one first. Is a benefit to your family? Can a benefit to your family be a benefit to you? It is. There's been a, a repeated statements that you need to show that that President Biden accepted direct money in order for this to co constitute a benefit, even under under criminal cases that deal with bribery, extortion, the Hobbs Act. The courts actually have rejected that. They've said that money going to family members is, in fact, a benefit. And I don't really see any legal basis for that. Obviously, the strongest case is if you have a, a direct payment. But this idea that you can have millions going to a politician's family and that's not a benefit, um, I think is pretty fallacious. Susan Crabtree, you hear the professor say that, you know, no matter how you slice it, the fact that you're not enriching yourself by enriching members of your family uh, seems like a fake, phony, fraud argument in his opinion. Uh, what's your initial reaction to what happened today uh, at Capitol, in the Capitol? Well, first of all, I felt like it was there was a media blackout of the event. And so you only had a few uh, few and it almost seemed like it was 
it was agreed upon uh, because I, I regularly cover these events and I wasn't there because I was coming back from the Republican debate in California. I'm going to the California Republican convention on mm. Friday where Trump will speak and DeSantis will speak and several others. But I've heard from people who were in the hearing room that Politico wasn't there. The New York times wasn't there. The Washington post wasn't there. Wow. Uh, people like the Washington times were there. The Washington Examiner was there. Fox News was there. So what's going on here? Why are we treating, uh, why is the media world treating this impeachment inquiry with uh, such disdain or uh, lack of enthusiasm for covering it? This is the same sort of attitude we've seen uh, from the liberal media, or you want to call them the mainstream media, um, to uh, a lot of these Hunter Biden uh, problems initially, initially, you know, uh, working, I have never seen such a lack of curiosity during the campaign itself when the laptop appeared. Yeah, I feel like it's a repeat of the laptop. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you had Tony Bubulinski, a business associate coming forward and these you know, New York post had the emails, uh, and all the text. Well, it was actually the text cause we had them too, many of them. And, they they were being uh, Twitter was saying and Facebook was saying that it was misinformation and that it so it really repressed all the inf- all the information from really becoming legitimate um, in the views of the public. And now we have the same sort of attitude. That being said, there was a lot of sensitive uh, issues and investigations and details that have been coming out. Uh, from the House Oversight and Accountability Committee in the last few weeks, and we saw a good summary of them. I wouldn't say there was anything blockbuster new, but it was right. a it was the initial hearing to set the stage, uh, and it was just interesting to me um, that you had the the uh, Chairman Comer saying the we've had uncovered a mountain of evidence revealing how Joe Biden abused his office for his family's financial gains. Um, and we had, like you said, not he has identified his committee has identified nine members of the Biden family who have participated. And some estimates put it up over, they say 24 million for sure, but some estimates put it up over 50 million dollars when you wow. include Jim Biden. And James Comer today said that he was going to try to subpoena Jim Biden because he's largely flown over under the radar because he has not did not happened to leave his laptop um, behind. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so all of the, the material is not pointing directly. They don't have exact emails and texts about him, but they know he was involved. And some emails and texts have come out in the last few days saying that he would take care of Hunter Biden um, when he was, oh, Hunter Biden was going to rehab and that he would take care of the business and would deal with uh, his brother, Joe Biden, the then vice president, while Hunter was in rehab. So everything would be under control while he was gone. Unbelievable. And I tell you, it, it to make a crass analogy, it's as if the Biden family are pimping Joe Biden and whatever influence he's had for who knows how long in his political career. And um, Chairman Comer alluded to that with um, with a short statement. I want you to hear this. I'd like to get your reaction. Listen to this. Now, what were the Bidens selling to make all this money? Joe Biden himself. Joe Biden is the brand. 
And Joe Biden showed up at least two dozen times with business targets and associates sending signals of access, influence, and power to those prepared to pay for it. The American people demand accountability for this culture of corruption. They demand to know how these schemes have compromised President Biden and threatened our national security. They demand safeguards to be put in place to prevent public officials from selling access to their public office for private gain. And, you know, Susan Crabtree, this is not a simple case of getting a couple of gold bars like Gold Bar Bob did. This is, you know, continuing where we see a a constant appeasement of our enemies or adversaries, whatever camp you're in, like China and this um, bending over backwards for Ukraine which I think we should help Ukraine, but it seems like it's an unending amount of, of supplies and, and money that are going to Ukraine with, with little help in the war. And it, it's shocking. Well, you know, it's really, to me, it was really shocking when the previous administration and uh, Secretary of State Pompeo went to great lengths and to duly research this uh, Uyghur genocide that was going on in China. And they finally came out uh, and declared it a genocide um, yes. before leaving office. And here, it, when you can't, had uh, the Biden the transition take place, the Biden team was seemed like they were dragging their heels a little bit in in, in maintaining that declaration. And then they, when you when uh, members of Congress who were outraged, I mean, this is a million people being forced into labor camps, uh, just unbelievable uh, allegations that have been piling up for years now, uh, documented by the Wall Street Journal, a forced sterilization of women uh, in the Uyghur community and Mm -hmm. even organ harvesting, uh, just like they did with the Falun Gong members before them. You have all these allegations, and the Biden administration is dragging its heels for months on the Uyghur Labor Protection Act. Uh, make that would deliver sanctions. It is delivering sanctions now because there was so much uh, commotion in Congress that Biden was forced to sign it. But companies like, you know, even Coca-Cola, uh, Nike, other big U.S. Chamber of Commerce type of uh, entities that have business and factories over in in China that may have had used forced labor, uh, were pushing back on this bill. And Biden was reluctant to sign it. The problem that we have here is not proof yet that there's a link, although people do like to talk about the you know the prosecutor that was uh, looking into Fine. Burisma and, and, and Joe Biden. You know, that that's, I say, they point to that as a smoking gun. But Ukraine is so corrupt that it's hard to it's hard for anyone who really right. knows the country to decipher that the, the layperson um, then. Um, just the American citizen uh, who doesn't follow every jot and tittle. But in terms of China, it's very difficult. You cannot, even the question in your mind that there may be a conflict of interest here uh, when we're talking about placing sanctions on individuals and companies that are participating in a genocide. Yeah. It's it's just mind boggling. And what I thought was equally as crazy was during the debates, uh, Biden was, I think it was a CNN debate, and they asked him this question uh, pretty sternly, and to their credit, and his answer was, look, uh, people are, different cultures do different things. 
and I thought, different cultures do different things. That's, is that the excuse to, for, for a genocide? That's a, I've never heard such a thing. And, you know, it was a flash in the pan. And, and, and then he came into office and, and followed that same uh, approach. And he's continued to do that. And it, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's alarming. So when somebody accuses you of taking money and, and enriching your family, and it's the same people giving you the money that you're really turning a blind eye to and, and not really enforcing anything, you have to think where there's smoke, there's fire. But we'll see where the facts lead us with this. Folks, we are on with Susan Crabtree. She is the uh, White House and national political correspondent uh, for Real Clear Politics. She was with Washington Examiner before that and Washington Free Beacon. She's a veteran of this business and knows her stuff. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the debates and uh, everything else that's going on. She's got some really good articles, too. If we have time, I'm going to squeeze one in about the USAID power play on religious engagement. That's interesting. USAID is always involved in just about everything going on in Ukraine. So we'll get, we'll get into that as well. Don't move a muscle. It's Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is America. This is night. This is Rich Valdez. We need law and order back everywhere. We need law and order back in our suburbs. People are threatened there. We need it in our rural areas. People feel threatened there. And we need it in Washington, D.C. also. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look in that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight, not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that. No one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. <laughs> well, that was the level of uh, intellectual uh, discourse going on at the debate last night. Now, look, I'm only looking at clips. Um, and I, I believe Donald Trump was not watching the debate because he was giving a speech to auto workers, a really pretty heavy on policy speech, uh, unlike what I saw thus far. But I don't want to sell them short. So I want to bring Susan Crabtree back in. She's uh, the national politics and White House correspondent for Real Clear Politics. And Susan Crabtree, uh, what was your take? You were covering this debate. You were in California. Was this uh, devoid of any real policy and uh, intellectual discourse, or am I selling them short? (laughs) Well, there was some, but it was hard to discern at times because they were speaking over to each other so much. It was a, all this fractious bickering that was taking place uh, really was the was center stage was what people took away from the debate. Uh, you had a lot of different people trying new techniques, right? Haley, Nikki Haley was doubling down and she got a little desperate uh, in the way she approached it because she was surging from going uh, on the offense against Vivek uh, Ramaswamy in the first debate. And she got a little bump out of that, even uh, ahead of DeSantis in New Hampshire in the New Hampshire primary polls. So she thought she'd double down on that, but it ended up looking a little desperate. 
you had Vivek uh, Ramaswamy uh, even trying to get a little uh, mea culpa in and say, you know, I know that I need, uh, I, I'm young and ambitious and maybe a little bit obnoxious, basically. And uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I know I need to win your trust. But then at the end of the night, he was so disgusted with all the attacks on him by the other candidates because you know, he went on the attack first by saying in the first debate that they were all bought and paid for, right. basically sellouts to special interests. And they took uh, the other candidates took great offense to this, this newcomer to the stage, um, to the, the presidential arena. And and he didn't even shake their hands. They all shook hands at the end of the debate. They stormed off. So so much for the new Vivek, you know, winning your trust, and you know he's ah. chastened by the experience. Um, DeSantis, I felt like he didn't have any breakout moment. That's what he really needed last night. But he did come ho- uh, across as very stable and statesmanlike. And if you're looking for an alternative to Donald Trump. That's mostly what people complain about in the Republican Party about Donald Trump. Not about his pers- not about his policies. Most of his policies were very popular, but it's his personality problems, his you know imposing manner, his schoolyard taunts, and you know, at the end of the debate, DeSantis came across as you know, he was the one that was not willing to say, "I'm going to write down." He stopped the whole question about who they would vote off the island by saying it was disrespectful for the other candidates for them to participate in that and responding to that question. And he quoted Reagan, finally, after all this bickering <laughs> during the debate and you know, casting aspersions on one another, at the very end, they got back to the Reagan 10th commandment, uh, 11th commandment, sorry, thou shall not speak mm-hmm. ill of another Republican. Uh, and he was the one to bring that up and to really drive it home. I think he came across as a workhorse, not a show horse. That's always been his problem. He's not really good at these debates. He's a little wooden. Uh, he likes his rehearsed uh, his rehearsed statements, and he's he's not good on on just in an impromptu situation. But he is, you know, sort of respectful of his peers. He does come across as very calm and reassuring, and he did strike the notes that uh, Republicans like to hear on. Uh, when it comes to uh, China, when it comes to crime, and when it comes to the border, uh, especially the border. Susan Crabtree, the music means they're kicking me out of here, so I thank you for joining us. Excellent analysis. Got to have you back. You've got some great articles I'd like to discuss. Godspeed to you. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I certainly appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about some crazy stuff. You don't want to miss it. And we'll be right back. Welcome back. And there's a story that I saw today in the New York Post, and I said, this is absolute crazy. And I I honestly could not think of another person to work through this uh, article with um, than Dr. Carol Lieberman. And you guys know her. She's been on a number of times. She's a medical doctor, master's in public health. She's known as the terrorist therapist. Uh, She's 
terrific. She's been an expert witness um, time and time again. But I want you to hear this headline because it's, it's a shocking one. It's in the New York Post today. And it explains how a New York City gun arrest uncovered a huge pedophile satanic cult. That's the headline. The arrest of a Queens man on gun charges two years ago led federal authorities to the discovery of a satanic pedophile extortion cult that targets minors over the Internet. Shocking. Investigators uncovered the heinous group. It's called 764. While investigating disturbing social media posts that were made by Angel Almeida, 23-year-old who was busted in November of 2021 and charged with being a convicted felon in possession of a firearm. In February, the Brooklyn federal prosecutors announced they had filed a superseding indictment against Almeida, adding charges related to child exploitation and enticement of minors. Prior to Almeida's arrest, the FBI followed anonymous tips that allegedly linked him to social media accounts containing vile posts about child sex abuse, including one Instagram profile at Cell that featured a photo of what appeared to be a child bound and gagged. A post on another of Almeida's alleged Instagram profiles showed him posing with ammunition strapped to his chest in front of a black flag bearing the logo of the Order of Nine Angels, O9A, which prosecutors described as a worldwide Satanist group which embraces elements of neo-Nazism and white supremacy. Again, this is another brown white supremacist here. Uh, with this um, satanic stuff on. And when the authorities searched Almeida's home, they allegedly found hundreds of files containing child sex abuse material on four different devices, as well as books related to O9A and Satanism. Crazy. And they also found a blood covenant, an O9A drawing of a hooded figure surrounded by the group's symbols, smeared with what appears to be actual blood. So... Earlier this month, the FBI issued a public notice about 764, which they call an, a violent online group that's deliberately targeting minor victims on publicly available messaging platforms to extort them into recording or live streaming acts of self-harm and producing child sexual abuse material. Absolutely insane, this stuff. So let's go to our expert here. Dr. Carol Lieberman, welcome back. Hi, thank you. I, I chose you because you know crazy and you know crime. <laughs> and very few have the expertise that you have. None, in my opinion, can match what you offer. And I, I couldn't, I, I, I was, I'm still shocked at how they catch a guy with a gun. The next thing you know, there, there's a, a Satan thing and, and a child sex ring. It's just insane. What say you? Well, yes, um, children are really becoming victims in so many different ways uh, these days. They are so vulnerable to, you know, there was just um, an, uh, something that came out in the news today about um, kids and phones and about how, how many hours a day they spend on phones, even in class. And, um, you know, the dangers being that what they're on uh, include, uh, you know, talking with strangers, getting, getting, um, targeted by strangers, uh, and of course, you know, obviously to be up to no good. But, you know, this combination of pedophilia and Satanism and, and guns, I, I mean, it's like every day we get more um, more de- depraved, 
more people don't know what to do with themselves anymore. Yeah, it seems like there's too much time on people's hands and they're just, you know, an idle mind is the devil's playground, so to speak. Yes. Well, I think also people are feeling um, it's it's this new normal that has never really come about, the light at the end of the tunnel, and this feeling that, um, I don't know, a lack of hope, a feeling of helplessness and a lack of hope. Hmm. And so people are, so, and, and as they see other people in the news doing crazy things, then that lowers the bar. Each day, you know, when, like, for example, you're reading this and, oh, my God, this is crazy. Yes. But tomorrow it's going to be less crazy, you know, for those people who also read it. And so they're going to think, oh, well, I can do this, too. It it almost becomes um, like we're all becoming desensitized to the most vile things ever. Yes. Whether we're watching them, observing them or these people doing them. Now. Is it prevalent from your experience uh, for for people? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this guy has some sort of mental illness. Is that fair to say or, or do <laughs> sane people do this? Well, no, I think it's sane, sane, <laughs> sane to say that he has some kind of mental illness. Um, I mean, first of all, probably he was sexually abused as a child, uh, maybe uh, obviously um, also probably physically abused. Um, raised by parents who, you know, who did not, um, who did not <laughs> convey the finer points of life. I don't mean like um, economically, but I mean just, you know, just uh, civility. Yeah. Yes. Now, let me ask uh, this question, and, and maybe you have a response, maybe you don't. Uh, but I know that there are terror cells and, and gangs and all sorts of... Um, Bad groups, I'm going to call them. Mm-hmm. Back in the days, it was the Taliban. Or before that, it was ISIS. Or after that, it was ISIS. Before that, it was Al-Qaeda. And there were Americans that eventually came on board with some of these. It might have been few and far between, but they did. Because they bought onto the message for whatever their motivation was. But I feel like, I don't know if this is a concoction of the media or just something I'm noticing, but I'm seeing more and more... Uh, people being labeled as neo-Nazi or or white supremacist that yes. are Hispanic, and and I, I've never met a Hispanic that was a white supremacist, and I've been Hispanic <laughs> my whole life, so I, I'm I'm shocked at this, and I'm wondering is this just uh, is is how do we look at this? Is this people are they recruiting more, or is it people that are so broken that they're just looking for a place to belong? Well, I think both of those. Um, I think people are feeling so broken. They're looking for a purpose in their life. They're looking for a place to to belong. I mean, the reason why kids join gangs is because, um, you know, they're, they have a horribly dysfunctional family at home. Sometimes their family kicks them out or sometimes they're just, um, you know, not paying any attention to them. They look for a family outside their home. And the family that they find most frequently is, <laughs> excuse me, a gang. And, you know, in a, in a way, you can look at these other kinds of uh, groups as gangs, too. And these people just look looking for love, really, you know, looking to belong, looking for love. Um, and and I, I think we're, we're just we're feeling so um, detached from each other, Um 
And a lot of that had to do with the lockdowns and masks and six feet and all of that. Um, you know, and, and we we're still having trouble kind of forming forming relationships again, feeling close to people because, because for two years we were told that people are dangerous. You don't want to get close to people or they're going to six feet, give six you a feet. deadly disease. No mask. They'll kill you. Yeah. You know, I have a, and you're right. And I think a lot of people are getting accustomed to that life. And I took a friend of mine who had surgery on his foot to the doctor the other day and they were like, stop, stop. You have to wear a mask. And I was like, really? We're doing that again. They're doing that again in a lot of medical facilities. So it's, it's, uh-huh. uh, it seems like it's making a comeback. But uh, irrespective of that, um, as, as an individual with ADHD, I, I know for years I've procrastinated with things and I've only been able to move to do things when it's like, like the building is burning. Let's go, you know, and, and yeah. I, I understand that to be um, a dopamine rush. And that's what gets me going. Now, uh-huh. using that as an example, are these people that are mentally ill in whatever way and coming from a broken past? Is this idea of child sex abuse, killing people, looting, whatever, whatever their outrageous behavior be? Is, is this a result of something similar like my procrastination where they're getting off on, on a dopamine rush or is it bigger than that? Hmm. Um, I think it's a little more complicated than that. Um, but, you know, to, to go back to what you were talking about before, um, the idea of whether there are more white supremacists or the definition is getting looser. So they're including, uh, yes. you know, <laughs> all kinds of people. Um, I think that that is true. And I think that it's kind of like the word terrorist, you know, terrorist, like let's say when 9-11 happened, terrorist meant radical Islamist terrorists, you know, yeah. it was the radical Islamists who were terrorists. And now the word is thrown around so that PTA parents are called terrorists and uh, January 6th trespassers are called terrorists. And, you know, it's sort of um, the effort, in a sense, is to make it lose all meaning. And that's kind of the same thing with white supremacists, um, you know, where where it's just it's anybody with a tattoo, (laughs) you know, it's Uh just kind of. (laughs) <laughs> it's just kind of gotten, um, you know, bent out of shape, just too, too inclusive so that it really means it's really hard to, and it's important to have these meanings. It's just as important to have radical Islamists be named as terrorists as it is to know who white supremacists really are. Excellent point. And um, I'm going to pause here. We're going to, I want to jump into something else and we'll do it right after the the pause, but uh, there was a story that I covered here a couple of nights ago about uh, a girl named Sydney Powell that murdered her parents or her mom, and it was over the most bizarre circumstances. And I, I'd love for you to weigh in on that because I'm wondering if that was Absolutely. a dopamine rush. I know rush. that case. I know that case backwards and forwards. It, it really got me going. <laughs> me too. I was shocked, and I, I do this every day, and it's, I don't get shocked every day because you kind of get used to this stuff. But that was a shocker. So, folks, we're on with Dr. Carol Lieberman. She's a psychiatrist, medical doctor, and she's known as the terrorist therapist. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
is America at Night with Rich Valdez. So a while back, a girl named Sydney Powell had uh, flunked out of college, and the college called. Uh, her mom was on the phone with the college. The girl wigs out and grabs a frying pan, bashes her mother to death, stabs her 31 times, then stages a fake robbery to kind of cover it up and eventually gets caught. She goes to jail and she was she was just sentenced. And it, 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 it's bizarre. And she got 15 years to life. But the whole story to me is just so outlandish. I'm looking at a picture of this girl and she's I think she's 22 uh, or something like that, maybe 24, whatever the case is. Um, but she was, a, I think, a teenager while it happened. And this is a bizarre story. And we did talk about it the other night. But I want to get the expert opinion of my favorite psychiatrist, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And she, you guys know her as America's psychiatrist. And Dr. Carol Lieberman, what do you think about this story? I mean, this is crazy. This story really got me going for so many reasons. I, I'm often on court TV, um, you know, commenting on various cases. Sure. In this case, uh, so I watched a lot of this case, and um, it, it was driving it was driving me crazy. She wasn't crazy. I mean, at the time of the offense, she her her right. And that was her defense. defense. Was right. Her defense was not guilty by reason of insanity. Now she definitely has psychological problems. No question. Um, you know, it, she may be, uh, have borderline personality traits at least. Uh, but the, the, the reason why it was really disturbing, um, one of the reasons is because the defense attorney had three psychologists, um, testify that she was schizophrenic and therefore she had a psychotic break at the time that she killed her mother and uh, because they were saying that, you know, so everyone said that she and her mother were very close. And so the only reason why she would have killed her would be if she was crazy. She would have had to have been crazy to kill her. Well, that doesn't make any sense because, you know, just because we didn't know the motive. I mean, one possible motive is that she didn't want her mother to find out that she had flunked out of school long before she ever told her parents that, you know, she was hiding it for a long time. And um, she was staying at the college. She tried to stay there for as long as she could and so on. She was afraid to tell her parents that she flunked out. Um, now, and there has to have been a reason. She was, did very well in high school. So there was some reason why she wasn't doing so well in college. She, you know, the first two semesters, like she did worse and worse as the, we got to the third semester. So there was something, you know, at one time that she did have an alcohol at least one occasion when she had to go to the emergency room for alcohol. Oh, wow. But, um, you know, but that didn't really come out that that was an ongoing problem. It certainly could have been. It could have been just that she was, uh, she felt she had been protected when she was home and she went to college and she didn't really know how to adjust. It could have been something relatively simple. But, but anyway, she, before her mother could find out the truth, that's when she started, you know, hitting her over the head and so on. Um, but the, it just what really got me uh, disturbed was that, first of all, psychologists do not generally have as much training and as much experience with schizophrenics um, because mm. because because the treatment for schizophrenia is a combination of psychotherapy and medication. So it's psychiatrists who generally treat schizophrenics. And um, 
And they were saying all these things about how they gave her all these tests and therefore the test showed <laughs> that she was, that she must have been, you know, not guilty. She must have been uh, unable to see the wrongfulness of her acts when she killed her mother. I mean, first of all, that, that was another thing that, that really bothered me. You don't, um, you don't, you can't, they were trying to say that the tests are the be all and end all. And well, now, Dr. That Carol, a- I want to pause you real quick because they're telling me I have to take a break, but I want to hear about the tests and your critique of the tests and and their uh, their phony baloney stuff. So uh, this is getting good. Folks, we're coming right back with Dr. Carol Lieberman, America's psychiatrist. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, her website, expertwitnessforensicpsychiatrist.com. Dr. Carol, you were telling us about the tests. Yes, I just uh, was saying that uh, it's you can't just go by tests. In other words, whether you're a psychiatrist or a psychologist, you should be taught, trained, and experienced enough to be able to tell the person's diagnosis and so on just by you know doing a, an extensive examination of them. When I serve as an expert witness, I do do a couple of tests, but not to determine the diagnosis, but to more, um, sometimes the jury would like to see something more objective than just your opinion. So I do it for that. But really, um, if someone can't do the proper diagnosis without tests, they should hang up their couch. Um, now, Sidney Powell, her, she was malingering, and the jury saw that. Um, she, you know, it, it, she, she couldn't have been uh, so psychotic at the time that she killed her mother that she didn't know right from wrong, because right after she did it, she set up the scene, as you were talking about. She made it, she tried to make it look like a robbery, like someone broke in. So clearly you can't be that psychotic when you're figuring this out. Plus, mm-hmm. she had spoken on the phone to her college and she tried to pretend that she was her mother. I mean, she she was in, in command of, of enough of her faculties so that she wasn't not guilty by reason of insanity. Outstanding analysis. Really, really good point. Dr. Carol Lieberman, the terrorist therapist. Check out her website, expertwitnessforensicpsychiatrist.com. Dr. Carol, quick yes or no to you. Can people in America expect to have Adderall again? Seems like there's a shortage. Well, you know, I certainly hope so, because um, we shouldn't be having medications produced by China and other, other mm. countries. We should be doing all of these things here so we don't have to be dependent. Excellent point. God bless you, Dr. Carol Lieberman. You are a gentlewoman, a scholar, and a patriot. I thank you for joining us. Folks, Open Phone America is coming up right now. Don't go anywhere. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-4-VALDEZ. We're coming right back. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. 
And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome. It's hour number three of the program. This is where we do Open Phone America, time-trusted and tested tradition here on the program. Let me give you the phone number. 833-4825-337-8334. Valdez is the number. And I, I got to tell you, we talked about a number of things tonight. We talked about the crazy looting that happened in Philadelphia and is really spreading across the country. And I don't mean just looting like um, in a riot. This is now just organized crime. You've got flash mobs of people, 100 people, 50 people going and just bum-rushing these stores, taking everything they can fit in their arms and, and making a run for it. Absolute craziness. And uh, we, we also had some discussion on the big news of the day, the inquiry into the impeachment of President Joe Biden, and uh, had some great conversations on that. We've talked about um, some of the crazy stories that are out there, this satanic cult that was uncovered uh, with uh, in cahoots with child sexual assault after they arrested a guy with a gun last year. And uh, that was shocking. Just it seems like the news is getting crazier by the day. And you guys get to weigh in on all of that. I want to get your thoughts on that as well as everything else. And just on a lighter note, right? Listen to this. Today, Friday, as we're moving into Friday, is going to be the last day. uh, Something I didn't even know this was going on anymore. But it's the last day for DVD by mail service from Netflix. They are now out of the DVD in the mail game. Now, I, I don't know about you. I had no idea that Netflix was still in that business. Um, so that was a shocker for me. But that's where we're at. Now, we have a number of calls on hold. I'm going to get to you guys in a moment. Uh, South Carolina, California, Montana, and more coming in. Uh, I love it when people chime in. With Florida, get jumping in on the line. Uh, if there's an open line, give us a call, 833-482-5337, and let your voice be heard. Now, there's a few other stories I wanted to get into uh, because the State Department's issuing a warning over Chinese misinformation operations. Huh. Okay. I mean, this is a constant for them, right? This is just what happens. Uh, Here's another interesting story talking about China. A Florida teacher and Disney employees are among 219 that were arrested in a human trafficking operation. Now, the last time I saw a headline like this, it also included Disney employees. And I'm wondering, Disney might need to do a better job making sure that people that are involved in child trafficking don't end up working for them. But again, this uh, human trafficking operation uh, earlier this month was busted up and it led to the arrests of 219 people, including people in the country illegally. Oh, lo and behold, so, you know, they're coming here. They're new Americans, American dream. Obviously, they're here. They're trafficking children. I've been saying this time and again. And again, it's not just me saying it. There's a lot of people saying it. People need to really realize the big business that's going on at the border is human smuggling. That's the big business. And the fact that our government is doing nothing to stop it tells me that they're involved in the big business of human smuggling. Part of that is the trafficking of children, smuggling them into the country and then getting them to work in chicken plants, in other places, doing the overnight shift because they have no parents in this country. The other day, uh, 
um, Mr. Hinton tells me um, during a break about this kid, I don't know how old he was, maybe 12 or 14, that lost a hand or got his hand jammed up in one of these machines that mechanically separate chicken. And I told him during the break, I said, I bet you that kid's in the country illegally. He probably just got here, has no parents. He's working an overnight shift because he's being trafficked. They, they brought him from where he was to come here to work as a slave. This is happening. It's happening now. And, and I don't hear our president talk about it. I don't hear anybody talking about it. It makes me question, who are the real domestic terrorists? Is it the parents going to the school boards? Is it the radical traditional Catholics that go to Latin mass? Or is it every last idiot politician that turns a blind eye to this stuff? I vote for them. I say Washington is the place that's filled with domestic terrorists. Anyway, um, back to this story. So um, where did I leave off? Human trafficking, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Somebody who was in the country illegally. And they caught, let me see, 219 people, a high school teacher, three Disney employees. And as, uh, as of the announcement that was earlier today, of 119 prostitutes that were also arrested during the operation, uh, 21 were victims of human trafficking. And those are the young ones. Those are the girls that are coming in, that if they're too young, they'll keep them sequestered somewhere. But if they're old enough, they'll put some lipstick on them and put them on the street and force them to do what they do. It's horrible. Two of the suspects that were charged were both in the U.S. illegally, as as far as they know. And and that's because they didn't catch the rest. Freddy Escalona, 30 years old, and Maria Guzman were charged with human trafficking and deriving proceeds from prostitution. Escalona, police said, lent money to a victim to fix her car. After she wasn't able to pay him back, he allegedly forced her into prostitution. When Escalona drove the victim uh, to the undercover location, he was taken into custody and told detectives he had several females that he worked or who paid him to transport them and keep them safe. So he was the the muscle, the you know, the pimp and the muscle. Crazy. Uh, let's see. Guzman also allegedly trafficked two victims from a hotel in Orlando, setting up their quote-unquote dates and profiting from the money that they made. So these girls are not even really prostituting themselves. They're making money, and it goes straight to the pimp because they're forced labor. They're slaves, sex slaves. Absolutely crazy. Uh, investigators charged a total of 44 felonies, 242 misdemeanors as part of this uh, operation. I got to tell you, 35 of these people are suspected to be in the country illegally and are from the countries of Cuba, Chile, Venezuela, Mexico, Guatemala, Colombia, or the Bahamas. Joe Biden just approved 379,000 work permits for people coming in from Venezuela, a total of 500,000 because it's the second time they're doing it. What is wrong with this picture? How is it that five people, you know, right of center on talk radio and on television are, are clamoring about this and the rest of America is clueless as to what's going on? I think it's about time that we hold everybody accountable. If people aren't really telling the truth about what's happening at the border, then we're going to have to make sure that that people hear the truth because this is unacceptable. It really is. I mean, this is not the first time this has happened. It keeps happening and it keeps happening. It's about time that we we do something. And again, uh, kudos to Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd 
This guy's terrific. I wish we had audio of this press conference because he's he's strong, he's stern, and he's funny as hell when he gives these things because he always makes these these like uh, punny type of comments. But I, I got to tell you, this stuff, it, it shouldn't happen. This isn't the type of thing that should happen, just like looting shouldn't happen. Anyway, I'm getting off my soapbox. We're going to get to your calls right now. Let's uh, let's go to the calls. Let's see here. Hold on. Let's go to John, Vero Beach, uh, Florida, WTTB. Uh, this happened in Florida. John, did you hear about what's going on here with this big case, this human trafficking ring? Yes, and and it, it, it all it all dials into a huge uh, cycle. We should be sending every one of the illegals, line the buses up for miles, and send every one of them to Philadelphia, Chicago, New York, and New Jersey. All these bastions of these so-called uh, <coughs> sanctuary uh, you know, cities, um, sanctuary, sanctuary cities. Yes, especially now that we're entering into an election cycle. Or in one, <laughs> it's hard to draw a line there. But what better time now to flood those areas? Every one of them, not just one or fifty or one hundred or two hundred. All the thousands, send them all to those states. And why not? Why not California? Because California is already rigged with all kinds of Marxist-leaning laws, you know, to to skirt around uh, the Constitution. You know, John, uh, I think, first of all, I think somebody's taking you up on your advice because I think it's happening. Uh, I was on 8th Avenue and 53rd Street, I don't know, two, two and a half hours ago, uh, maybe three hours ago. And I can tell you that it looks like a different city. Uh, the cops, there was a lot of cops out, but all the cops were doing were taking these motorized um, mopeds from everybody and and they've got them chained up all over the place i mean blocks and blocks and blocks of rows and rows and rows and as many of the as as of those that they've taken I'm getting tongue tied here there were still i don't know in in a 5 minute span where you're waiting for the light to change or whatever across the street 3 minutes another 50 or 60 of them fly by you and again these people are all wearing masks it's it, it's clear to me they're looking for someone to rob they're not just hanging out. They're, they're going up and down, up the one way, up the wrong way. Some of them, you know, make a U-turn through the crosswalk and the sidewalk. It's it's crazy what's going on. And this is on 8th Avenue and 53rd Street in New York City. <clears throat> I got to tell you, they, the cops have their hands full. They're doing what they got to do. They're outnumbered. This is a massive problem. Um, Mayor Adams is saying he can't have any more illegal aliens. And there's more coming anyway. And we, what we've seen, we're seeing them coming again. The people in this particular ring were all from from um, Central and South America, but uh, we're seeing people from 150 different countries coming across the border. This is not asylum seeking. This is not migrants. This is not people trying to find a better life. This is people who are coming here to exploit a hole in our system, a hole that was made by Joe Biden, John. Yep. I agree 100%. Well, thank you for your call, brother. I appreciate you and everybody listening on WTTB, Vero Beach, Florida. I love Florida. I I hope to be there really soon. John, thank you, sir. Uh, We're going to continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833 482 
833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, everybody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? But you're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, we're talking about everything under the sun right now. We've got this big uh, human trafficking arrest that came out of Florida today. We're reacting to the debate last night, the Republican debate, which really was just uh, I don't know. I don't want to say amateur hour because these are very astute people, but it, it just didn't seem like the, the, like the last one. The last one was a little bit better, a little more punchy. Uh, I, I didn't see the. It was kind of lackluster, from my opinion. But let's um, let's get your thoughts. Let's go to Sue in Schwanksville, Pennsylvania. WXDE. Sue, go right ahead. Yeah, so you're right about that, uh, the debate. You know, they made Trump look like an elder statesman, I would have to say. <laughs> and honestly, compared to his speech in Michigan yesterday, um, it was a really, really good speech. Probably one of the best, most presidential, uh, policy-filled speeches I've seen him give in quite a while. Yeah, he's awesome, you know. And, and it was, yeah, I think they should cut to the chase, spend the money on the, you know, the fighting against, you know, the campaign against Biden, but that's not what I called about. I was calling to respond to this, of course, the illegal uh, immigration thing. Even though the uh, debate was kind of like a free-for-all, Ramaswamy brings some very interesting things to the table. And one of the things that I caught that he said was he was calling for this uh, birthright citizenship to be altered or changed, the 14th Amendment. And I've been doing some reading here about the 14th Amendment, and, and the way it's worded, it says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are mm-hmm. citizens of the United States. Now, this doesn't cover, it doesn't extend to the children of diplomats because they're not under the jurisdiction of the United States. So I was just wondering, I thought it was very brave of him to bring something like that up. And he has a few other things like that that kind of, you know, are very ballsy that he brings up. So sure. I'm just curious what you think about that. Well, before I give you my thoughts, I want everybody to hear what he said. This way, um, we're all on the same page. Listen to this. You propose, quote, universal deportation for all undocumented immigrants and their children, even if the children are citizens of the United States. Under what legal premise will you expel U.S. citizens? So the first thing I want to say is I agree with everything. The Republicans on the stage are on the right side of this issue. Militarize the southern border. Stop funding sanctuary cities and end foreign aid to Mexico and Central America to end the incentives to come across. But I do go a step further. You're right about that, Ilya. I favor ending birthright citizenship for the kids of illegal immigrants in this country. Now, the left will howl about the Constitution and the 14th Amendment. The difference between me and them is I've actually read the 14th Amendment. What it says is that all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the laws and jurisdiction thereof are citizens. So nobody believes that the kid of a Mexican diplomat in this country enjoys birthright citizenship. Not a judge or legal scholar in this country will disagree with me on that. Well, if the kid of a Mexican diplomat doesn't enjoy birthright citizenship, then neither does the kid of an illegal migrant who broke the law to come here.
So that was Vivek Ramaswamy last night at the debate discussing the 14th Amendment, and he was on with uh, Ilya Calderon because Univision was the um, other co-sponsor of the debate. And this is exactly what, um, from my understanding, what the courts have, have ruled with DACA, saying that, um, you know, it, it's not exactly the same story, but it's, it's along the, those lines where these kids, um, well, the ones that came here as children, they fall into that, that category. Um, and, and they're saying, no, you can't do that. It's unconstitutional. But however, they keep saying, well, but we're going to keep extending DACA. And, and it's very difficult because these become emotional things for a lot of people. Uh, but the reality is I, I agree with uh, Ramaswamy, and, and I, I agree that we, you just have to have rule of law. And it's very unpopular to say that because it, it is unfair, right? If, you, if you're six years old, four years old, and you're dragged across the border with your parents, um, this is a very unfortunate thing. Or you come and then you're born here, same thing. Then you're like, this is the only country you know, and you might end up serving in the military here. And for someone to say, all right, now you've served in the military, and you're getting deported, would be very unfortunate. But... We have to draw the line somewhere because this is an out-of-control problem. So, uh, again, deportations are a very tricky business, and I'll tell you why. We can't manage the influx of people coming through the border right now. Uh, and it's not that we're um, understaffed, which we are, and we don't have enough immigration judges, which we don't. But it's because there's policies and leaders, uh, I don't want to call him a leader, but uh, people in charge like Joe Biden who are allowing this to happen and making it happen. So... Yes, when Trump was around, he was able to, to shut the border down. I think if you can slow down, doing everything he said, if we can disincentivize people coming across the border, then we can go back to having a secure border, and then we can focus on, you know, starting to extract people from the country by way of deportation. But right now, there, there's not a shot. There's not a shot that we could actually do this because we we don't have the legal apparatus and we don't have the manpower because they're all at the border and they've all become travel agents instead of border agents getting people to the next sanctuary city their next destination on the itinerary and it's very unfortunate too thanks for your call uh folks we're coming right back to the rest of your calls and more 833-4-VALDEZ 833-482-5337 it's america at night with me rich valdez and this is open phone america Get this. The um, a few weeks ago there was a tragic story. I did not cover it because I really don't like to talk about these things. When little kids die, I really it's just it's I have a tough time getting through it, honestly. And but it, they were in a daycare, a daycare that was run and in the I think it was in the Bronx. And they the kids died, two kids, and a third one was hospitalized because of fentanyl poisoning. And the question was, how did the fentanyl get there? Well, it turned out the woman who ran the daycare. Her boyfriend uh, is a drug dealer and or a suspected drug dealer. And he was just arrested in Mexico in Sinaloa. And he's on the run. And I think they just finally uh, caught up to him. But fentanyl in New York City, big deal. And it's not just New York City. It's all over the place. But there's a story today. Let me see if I find it right here. Listen to the CBS News. Investigators say they uncovered yet another drug mill in the Bronx, again involving fentanyl. 
This one was located less than a mile away from the daycare where several children were exposed to fentanyl, causing the death of uh, the toddler. Detectives uh, Juan Gabriel Herrera Vargas rode the subway on Tuesday with a suitcase of fentanyl. He got off at Kingsbridge Road in the Bronx, started walking towards an apartment, but they stopped him on the way. The DEA agent seized more than 40 pounds of fentanyl, much of it in a suitcase. So this guy's transporting fentanyl on the subway. And it makes you think, if little kids that are coming in contact with this, not taking it, just coming in contact with it, are, are dying from it, imagine what's going to happen to people on the subway that may accidentally get in touch with this stuff. Crazy stuff. Later that night, the DEA uh, agents followed him and they saw him leave an apartment in the building on Kingsbridge Avenue, Kingsbridge Road, rather, and uh, with another suitcase. They then arrested Mr. Herrera Vargas and said that they found even more drugs in that bag. Crazy stuff, right? Fentanyl is all over the place. Going back to your calls, because it's a busy night tonight, lots to discuss. Uh, let's see here. Where? What state did we leave off in? La da 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 da. La da 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 da. Let's go to Paul, Zanesville, Ohio, WHIZ. Hey, good evening, Rich. I hope I hope I can articulate this well enough so that I don't sound too crazy. But have you ever heard of guerrilla warfare? Well, I have in my history books, and I just happened to think about that. It popped into my head tonight when you was talking about the mopeds in the streets, you know, riding with masks and just you know acting all crazy and stuff. Um, but, um, this is the, this, you know, kind of looks like maybe it could be like in the early stages of like real warfare. I mean, look at all the illegal immigrants that we're getting in. We don't know what they're up to, you know, um, right now they might not be shooting at you, but like you just said, look at the fentanyl in the streets and so forth. We don't know what these people are bringing in. So I just think that if you look up guerrilla warfare, it kind of matches what I'm saying. And it popped into my head because I've, I've read my history books and so forth. But it's um, a good point. Uh, I, I just want to say something to that, Paul. Uh, w- w- when I was in Manhattan today uh, on 8th Avenue, I, I wanted to uh, point out something that I thought was interesting. In addition to the people on the mopeds um, who seemed to me from what I could see, many of them were very masked, so you couldn't tell. But from their mannerisms, they looked like they were very American. Right. They, these were people from New York, uh, that New York swag, the way they walked. There were also tons and tons of what appeared to be people hailing from Central and South America. Now, I don't know their legal status in this country or not. I'm not going to profile them, but I will say they were all working, making deliveries on bicycles. All of them. I mean, probably 80. Every time I stopped at a light, they have their own lane. It's a huge bike lane. And I was just like, wow, look at that. So all these people here that didn't appear to speak English, I heard them speaking in Spanish, um, they're all doing Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, making these food deliveries. And then you have all these other people who were speaking in English, hanging out. Some of them had their masks pulled down. And these were all American people, uh, people that spoke English. And, and I thought, what is going on here? You've got these people that are coming, trekking from wherever, that really, some of them are really coming to work and they're working hard. They're grinding and they're hustling on these bicycles, delivering food. And then you have these people that are born here with every opportunity in the world. And they're sitting there just hanging out, doing nothing, riding these illegal mopeds that are going to get confiscated or they're going to run away from the cops. And in my opinion, clearly up to no good. 
And it was just an interesting um, dichotomy, if you will, uh, of just looking at what happened in this once great city. Paul, go right ahead. Okay. Well, I understand what you're saying. And maybe it is, you know, like um, our our young uh, people and things like that rebelling from their neighborhoods because they live in such a trashy neighborhood. Who knows the reasons why? I think I know one reason why is because it's called Democrats. Um, (laughs) But, you know, uh, there is a problem. And it's pretty obvious. Now, I know there's a lot of uh, uh, foreigners that want to come here and work. I'm friends with a lot of them. But um, it just seems to me like um, the Democrats don't care, and you're going to keep getting more and more of this kind of stuff, you know, if you don't clamp down and stop this. I mean, it's just crazy what they're doing in these stores and everything. So, I okay, thank you. You're welcome, Paul. And listen, I agree with you 100%. If we don't put an end to people doing bad things, what happened in Philly, what happened in San Francisco, what's continuing to happen in in New York City, it's going to keep happening. People are going to continue to just willfully violate the law and make public safety something that is non-existent just because they feel like doing it. Absolute insanity. Uh, Let's go to Rodney, South Charleston, West Virginia. WCHS. Rodney, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Um, I don't want to say I only listen to programs like yours where I know I can get accurate news. And I heard one, I have no, one report, which I know, have no doubt that it's accurate. Biden is already planning to set up the illegals where they can vote. Um, I don't know if you've heard that or not, but I believe it. Uh, and uh, they, they vote Democrat. And that is the bottom line as why he's letting all these illegals in violation of the Constitution into the United States they will vote Democrat, and he's going to set them up to be able to do so uh, in, at some point. And uh, that's that's a serious problem. I'm- well, you know, Rodney, let me uh, jump in here. I, I agree that Biden has something up his sleeve. What it is, I don't know. I, I'll say this. I know that Barack Obama was constantly hammering away this idea uh, that they popularized the term a pathway to citizenship. They constantly talked about a pathway to citizenship. And I always thought it was funny because I've met many an immigrant, both Hispanic immigrants, immigrants from a lot of places. And not every immigrant that comes to the United States um, is eager to become a citizen. Many are, but not all of them. And, and mainly because they're, they're eager to work and they can work with a green card. They can work as a permanent resident alien. And if you're a resident of the country, you pay your taxes, you, you, you do everything but vote. Uh, it's one of the, those few um, interesting, you know, benefits that you, you get as a citizen. And many people are many people and still today, I'd say a third of our population is disinterested in voting. They just don't care. They don't participate in the process. So for Biden to pick up the Obama mantle and create a pathway to citizenship, I think it's going to prove difficult. One, he won't be able to pull it off right now. It won't get through the House because of the majority that we have. Number one, thank God. But number two, uh, it's going to be a, a difficult task overall because the timing's off. If they would have tried this at a different time where people felt like, you know, if, if they had enough uh, political power to do it at the time that everybody and their mother was angry with Trump because he would put kids in cages, according to the media, that might have been the time to do it. When AOC ran down to Texas and had her face in her hands and she was crying at the wall uh, at the fence there. 
that may have been the time where sympathy was going in their direction because they were creating that narrative. But right now, nobody's in favor of illegal immigration. Nobody. I'm, I haven't bumped into anybody that's saying, well, you know, I mean, these people have to, maybe one or two clowns, but most people left, right, center, they're like, what's happening is out of control. And so I don't believe that there's going to be the political will to give them citizenship. Without citizenship, you can't vote for president. Now, some places, New York City tried this. They tried to allow people saying, look, their kids go to school. They should be able to vote in the school board. Uh, they should be able to vote for their city councilmen. They're members of the community, and therefore they should be able to vote. And they put together a resolution. And before or it might have passed or right when it was about to pass, um, the Republican Party in New York sued them and won in court where they said this is absolutely against the Constitution of the state of New York, let alone the federal Constitution. So I, I feel like they can try and they will and they will continue to try and it may take them a long time and they're going to need both houses in, in Congress and they're going to need the White House and they're going to need um, maybe another judge if they can get one to try to, you know, swing the vote that way once it gets up to the Supreme Court, because they're going to sue eventually. But I don't I don't think I think you're right that they want that to happen. But the, the bigger caveat for me here is people just being in your district will give your district more in in in, in apportionment. And I think this is a big part of what they're doing. And the other, I think, uh, part of this is that Many people may say, you know, when I came here, Biden was president and that's why I'm going to vote as a Democrat. Many might. But I, I got to tell you, we, we saw it happen in South Texas with the election of Myra Flores. We see it all over the place. Many Hispanics embrace faith and family values and hard work and they're coming here to work. And whether they're coming illegally or not is, is of course, um, debatable. But what isn't is is culture. And I don't believe even if they start off as Democrats, they're going to stay as Democrats because all I do is see people coming from different Hispanic cultures ultimately saying uh, this isn't what we do. This isn't how we were raised. It's not how our families live. And and it's it's a very unnatural thing to to see what's happening in, in the political left in our country. And even today, today I went to a, um, a, a fundraising event for a New York City Council person. And before I did that, I stopped off for, um, for, for dinner with some friends, old friends, very old friends. I've known them 20 years plus. But some, some of the comments they were giving me were they were saying, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Keep talking about what you're talking about. And these are all Hispanics that I grew up with. And they're telling me, you know, what's happening in our country is bad. So I see a shift uh, that the Democrat Party for a long time had a stronghold on Hispanics and African-Americans as well. And I see a lot of African-American men are saying, you know what, I want to make money. And we made money with Trump and we're not making money now. So I don't know that they're going to be that successful in in making people vote because I just don't think it's going to happen. And I don't think they're I think they're going to be surprised as to what happens with a lot of people once they get a taste of the real American dream. They start making some money. They're not going to want their kids wearing dresses. I guess that's the best way to put it. Roddy, thanks for your call. Big shout out to WCHS. I'm going to take a quick pause here. Come back to your calls. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. All right, America, we're starting the final segment speed round now, even though we have another segment to go because we've got a lot of people that want to sound off on the issues of the day. Uh, let's go to Margaret. She's calling from Burlington, Vermont, WVMT. Go right ahead. Hi. Hi, Rick. Thanks for Hi. your show. Thank you. Um, Rick, we ha- oh, my pleasure. Um, my, the, um, when we moved here into this city, they asked for proof of residence with a registered, not registered, a stamped um, address, someone who sent us a, a letter or a bill or something. And that was sufficient for putting us on the voter registration. Now, if that's all that's needed, how how many places in the country ask for proof of citizenship before you register to vote? This is a very good question. Now, I can tell you, I know when I did my license and whatever, I, I think I did it through high school and I took driver's ed in, in my junior year and I had to bring in a, a copy in order to get my permit. I had to bring in a copy of my birth certificate and social security card. And in New Jersey, it's very complicated. Uh, but what I can say is you're right. And that's a thing. And this is why people that are in a state like Pennsylvania, for example, where uh, what's his name? Wolf. Is that his name? Governor Wolf. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, he just announced that they're going to do universal registration. Anybody with a license is going to be given the chance to register uh, or is going to automatically be registered because that's going to increase democracy. These things need to be stopped. And when people say, you know, they call this show and they go, I don't know what to do. How do we what do we do? What you do is save your shekels and and sue. And if you can't put the lawsuit together by finding a, a, a local lawyer that you have a relationship with or somebody in your political circle can connect you with. There are big organizations out there, like I think it's called Liberty Legal, um, America First Legal. They're great. They, they're constantly suing people. There's a bunch of legal organizations that are fighting on behalf of, of, of America. And I would recommend to anybody that's listening right now, especially if you're in Pennsylvania, you need to be suing the governor. The more lawsuits, the better. Not everyone will get through, but you, you've got to try because things like this have to be stopped. And Margaret, you're right. Uh, this would be unconstitutional if they actually do go and vote, but it adds to the voter rolls. And once you show up to vote, you, most places don't even ask for ID. And even if you had ID, if you're already on there and you're registered you're, and you have a driver's license because you're allowed to have a driver's license, you can go right ahead and vote. And this has been a very slow moving process. So you're right to to our last caller who was saying that that's their plan. Of course, it's their plan. Um, I don't believe that it's going to happen as quickly as they'd like, but that doesn't mean they won't try to do, use a backdoor approach. And this is why we have to remain ever vigilant because you're you're spot on. Not every place is going to be checking a birth certificate to make sure uh, that you were born in the United States. Perhaps every DMV does. I can tell you that was my experience, but uh, I don't know if that's the experience everywhere else. Margaret, good point. We're going to get to the rest of your call straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, it's the speed round. You got to keep it to 30 seconds to make sure we get everybody in. Joyce, Great Falls, Montana, KQDI. Joyce, welcome. Oh, welcome. First time caller. Oh, uh, yeah. Yay. Talk about the border. Yes. Great Falls, beautiful place. We love it here. 
Um, the voter, uh, these these people, you know, have nothing to get. They're getting like two thousand dollars a month, you know, for assistance and all that. Mm. And they they are around here. I mean, I, I talked to one and said we get two thousand a month. Well, if they keep doing that. It's going to be like the welfare state, just like welfare. It, welfare I think you're right. A hundred percent right. If we continue to give out money to everybody that's coming across, where is this money coming from? Number one, it's our tax dollars. And number two, we're already borrowing $2 trillion to pay the interest on the debt we have because we're $33 trillion in debt. It's a it's an unsustainable situation. It has to stop. I can't see how Biden or any Democrat gets elected if people really look at the issues. Excellent point, Joyce. Great Falls, Montana. Beautiful place. I'd love to visit. Big shout out to KQDI. Let's continue. Let's go to Al Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, WRNN. Go right ahead quickly. Thanks, Rich, for taking my call. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on the Biden administration's um Proctology audio engineers. He must be working <laughs> overtime to mic up all these uh, cranial rectal idiots for the. For it's the, clearly, uh, clearly they're talking out of their rear end, right? Yes. A hundred percent. I think you're spot on with that, Al. And I, I appreciate your call. And I think you're right. Uh, whether it's the impeachment inquiry or the border policy or whatever disaster they've got up their sleeve, these guys are destroying America. I'm hoping that you're making America better in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And thank you to everybody listening on WRNN. As we continue, we go to Jim, Harvard, Illinois, WGN. Go right ahead, Jim. Hey, Rich, real quick. Uh, the Biden investigation, um, he uses these aliases, you know, in his internet, his communication to Hunter, and he used the alias JRB. And, you know, those are his initials. Yeah, but uh, the weird one is the word "where" after that. Junior, beware. Ah, so. yeah, you're right. Jr. Beware. That's so interesting. I saw that one. There, he had like three or four of those aliases. And again, the fact that Americans are not like shocked. That imagine if Trump, Trump had an alias to be a, a PR person years ago, but he didn't have an alias as president. I call him El Trumpito, but I mean he was always Trump. And I just, I use that as the standard. These people are out of control, Jim. Thanks for the call. Big shout out to WGN and a big shout out to Mitchell, South Dakota, Dakota, excuse me, to Rob and Robert in Charleston. I'm sorry I didn't get to you. The music is kicking me out. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night and God bless. We'll be back tomorrow with my replay of President Trump's interview and Dinesh D'Souza. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.